0: Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 170, part one of the talk given by John Sullivan, entitled, What is Synodality in the Church All About?
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you everyone for coming out. Um, Let's just begin by placing ourselves in in God's presence. And because synodality is about equipping us for mission, um, that's what this prayer is about. Here we are, Lord, send us to share your love with all your people. May we be empowered. And carried by you to be courageous and enthusiastic in bearing faithful witness to the merciful Father, to the love of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to the divine life in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, before I begin, a couple of preliminaries. Is there anyone here from Hightown or Innsblundell? Yes, thank you. Welcome. Anybody here from Formby? Yes. <laughs> welcome. Anybody here from Ainsdale? The answer to that is obviously yes. Welcome to you too. Anybody from Burkdale Catholic, the three churches there, welcome to you too. And anybody from Southport and Churchtown? Welcome to you, and is there anybody that hasn't been included so far? Right. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in case to anticipate, in case you ask later, because um, this is going to be quite dense, I'm sending, after I've finished the talk, a copy of the talk to each of the parishes who've already agreed to make it available to anyone who would like a copy. And if you can't sleep at night, you might find it helpful, or something like that. Welcome. Um, so, if if some of it seems to go a bit fast, and you think, well, I'd like to have heard the bit more, heard that again, it will be available for you after today, either at the back of church, or on a website, or there'll be a mechanism you could send for it. Okay. Um, Perhaps one other preliminary comment is necessary. Um, What is synodality in the church all about is a hot topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount being written and spoken about it, uh, so much so that it's impossible to keep up with it. And even while this afternoon's talk is going on, almost definitely there's another couple of articles and books coming out about it. So I'm, I'm flagging up that there's a real limit to how much I can cover in one short talk. I'm going to try to do three things only um, after a brief introduction to today's topic. First, to say something about the principles and the purposes behind synodality. What's it for? What's it in aid of? What's it meant to be about? Second, I'm going to distinguish holding synods with synodality. And I'm going to do that by using an analogy that many of you will be familiar with, the difference between a wedding and a marriage. Uh, That will be the easiest part and the shortest part of the talk. The third part as I'm going to name some of the many challenges... And concerns that people have about synodality, and I am going to repeat some points, and, and that's not accidental. It is deliberate to emphasise a few a few key points. Well, the word synod itself is one that many of us were not familiar with um, until very recently. It's, it's in two parts: S-Y-M, syn, sin, which means with. Or together, and odos, which means the road or the journey. And when they're put together, it means we're on a journey of faith as pilgrims together. Synod over the centuries, the alternative words for that have been council, meeting, assembly. And in the past, they were mostly restricted to one group in the church. Uh, The bishops. Now, in 2023 and in 2024, in October in both years, the special synod in Rome will include not only bishops but laity, and the laity will include women, and the laity and the women will have voting rights, and this is historically new. Preparations for the October 2023 and October 2024 Synod on Synodality have involved the largest ever popular process of consultation in world history, despite all the real limitations um, there are on that participation. The fact that even though it is still a minority of people. Nevertheless, it has been shown to be the largest consultation process anywhere ever in world history. Never before... i have Just this morning I read the tablet after I'd written the talk, and there are two sentences in an article that are relevant. Never before has the global church engaged in an extended conversation drawing on diverse voices from dioceses and countries around the world. And never before have bishops and laypeople come together from the far reaches of the earth to engage in such a conversation. In the past, these synods have happened, but there hasn't been the widespread consultation process which is now said to be no longer an optional extra. Now, of course, who knows what will happen with another pope? But at the moment, consultation before synods is not an optional extra. And this is part of a recognition that every member of the church has a unique and special role to play in the mission of the church and that every baptised person is given by the Holy Spirit gifts for the service of God's kingdom. And therefore, if they are to fulfil their responsibilities as Christians, the people of God must be given their voice, listened to and heard. And as Father John said at the beginning, synodality is both an old, a very old way of being church and a new way of being church. What they have in common is they're about walking together as equals Listening prayerfully to the Holy Spirit and to each other's experience of trying to live Christianly. It's about seeking God's will for the kind of church that God wants now, in our time and place. How can church members discern or work out together what they've got right and what is good and therefore should be kept going? And how can they work out together what they need to let go of, however valuable it might have been in the past, perhaps as being less fruitful or even counterproductive in today's context. So the purposes and the principles, excuse me. I always forget that speaking in public dries your voice out. Along with mercy, um, which is clearly a major theme of Pope Francis, synodality is another major theme. And I'm going to put it to you that there are six elements within Pope Francis' teaching on synodality. I'm going to be extremely brief about all of them. First, there is an emphasis on the people of God being on a journey. Second, he highlights the significance of baptism. It's always been there and it's always mattered, but it's been given a fresh, renewed emphasis. Third, he gives more attention than has been the case before to what's called the sensus fidei, that is, the, the experience and understanding of of the faith that is actually held by the faithful. That is, not just the faith that's written in the catechism, but the faith that's experienced uh, by the people. Fourth, he constantly stresses that synodality requires an openness to the Holy Spirit. I'll come back to that later. Fifth, he recognises the great diversity of gifts that are available through God's abundant grace that are given to serve the mission of the church to the baptized. And if the church is to draw upon those gifts properly, there needs to be a much higher level of participation, cooperation, and an acceptance of co responsibility within the church than we've been used to. I said there were six. The last one is that Pope Francis calls for what he calls a culture of encounter. You might connect that very closely with dialogue, with fraternity or friendship, with closeness, with communion. You cannot, I would put my spin on that would be, you cannot be an effective church if you cannot be an affective church, that is, a church that is not only friends with God but friends with each other. Underpinning his advocacy of synodality, there is Pope Francis's belief that ordinary believers are not simply passive receivers of divine truths handed down by superiors, but instead that they are given the grace through their response to God in faith, the grace to be actively involved in discerning what God wants of them and then putting this into practice as best they can. It's a call to be much more actively involved than we've been used to. It may seem at the moment like a new way of being church, but really it is like it was in the very early days of the church. Synodality then is a pathway, we might say, towards addressing five key tasks of the church. The first is for each of us to have a renewed encounter with a living Christ. That's something much bigger than just saying, I believe in Jesus. Secondly, recovering the missionary mandate of Christ. What does the church exist for? to go out and share the good news and to be the good news. Third, to read the signs of the times because one of the ways that God speaks to us is in the events of the world as well as in our experience. As got, that doesn't leave out the other ways that God speaks to us. Fourth, listening to the sense of the faith and the life experience of all the people of God. And then fifth, working together Humbly and cooperatively to discern the workings of the Holy Spirit as we search for God's will for our church and the part we must play in attuning ourselves to God's will and putting it into practice. It's impossible to emphasize too much that it is baptism that makes us all co responsible members of the church. You might say that synodality is a corrective to an imbalance or an overemphasis on hierarchy. It doesn't rule out hierarchy, it leaves it intact, it doesn't dismantle it, but it does say that hierarchy needs to be complemented by full participation, which should lead to better decisions that are better received and that have a bigger impact. Two ancient principles are to be uh, embraced within the synodality movement. The first, actually it goes back before the beginning of our first parliaments in the Middle Ages, is that what touches all should be examined and approved by all rather than handed down from on high without the people being consulted. That's one ancient principle. The other ancient principle is not quite as old, but it goes back to at least to the 13th century, to Thomas Aquinas. And it goes like this, that whatever is received is received according to the mode of the recipient. Now, what that means is we must recognise that every human being receives God's revelation and the teaching of the church in a unique way. We say the same creed, but what what it actually does to us in our lives uh, is, is different in each case. A lot in common, but something that's different as well. And if that is true, then each person is deeply influenced in how they appreciate and respond to church and the gospel, affected by their nature, their experience, their circumstances. And that if decisions are to be made in the church, then we have to take account of the nature and experience and circumstances of the people of God. And that requires openness, transparency, being inclusive, engaging in dialogue, showing each other mutual respect, being mutually accountable. Without those, it's very difficult for the church to come across as credible or winsome in communicating our faith to the world. So it could be said that the path of synodality is also an attempt to overcome dysfunctionality in our church culture and in our witness to the world. We could do better in how we express and communicate our faith. An early statement by Pope Francis underlies his drive to install synodality as fundamental to the church. He says this, all the baptized, whatever their position in the church or their level of instruction in the faith, are called to be agents of evangelization or or sharing the gospel. Baptism rather than ordination is a key emphasis here. Now, there are two assumptions behind what put that quotation from Pope Francis. The first is the main task of the church is to share the gospel. The second is that baptism empowers and gives the baptized person a mandate and a duty to contribute in some way to the sharing of the gospel with the world. And this is why I began with that prayer. Synodality is for the sake of mission. That is, it is to prepare us to share the gospel more effectively. It is about conforming us to Christ, not to the world. And if there are any internal changes within the church that might emerge through synodality, and I I don't know what will happen yet, they will only be of value if they enable the church to go out more effectively as a witness to Christ. The whole motivation for pushing the church towards a synodal understanding is to unleash the the, the energy of witnessing to the gospel in our words and deeds through calling on all the gifts that God has given his people. And the kind of formation required by synodality and which being involved in synodality itself provides, should equip us to go to the frontiers wherever the gospel is needed but not yet heard or not yet heard enough. What hasn't changed is that all the people of God are called to be transformed, empowered and encouraged to become the good news. We are called to be formed, healed and united, converted, and sent out to a hurting and hungry world through an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist and inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, and I don't apologise for repeating it, synodality is for mission. And for that, we need horizontal communion, that is, we need to be a truly human and humane and friendly community, and we need communion with God, to make sure that we're not seduced by current cultural practices and norms in the powers of this world. All the major beliefs that you and I were brought up with remain important. None of them have been called in question. They're not replaced by some new doctrine that we didn't know before but they have been assembled slightly differently with priority shifts that result in some teachings becoming more salient or more prominent uh, than they used to be. So, for example, baptism and its implications, openness to the Holy Spirit, the life experience of the laity, listening to that experience, and collective discernment of God's will for the church they receive a higher priority in synodality than has sometimes been customary in our lifetimes. But things like the doctrines like the Trinity, belief in Jesus Christ as our Saviour, the place of scripture and the sacraments, the role of clergy and the hierarchy, and the valuing of tradition, they all remain central and indispensable.
0: If you would like to receive a transcript of this talk, email archie at agapeministries.co.uk That's archie at agapeministries.co.uk So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey to maximize your potential to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life is filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.